0: Welcome back everybody. I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with a uh, very, very interesting human being and an actor and a musician and a producer, and he's done pretty much everything within the (laughs) kind of the acting sphere, which we'll talk about. But, um, you know, a a recent movie that uh, he's been a part of uh, that he's called kind of the heart of the film. uh, I have not seen it. I've seen uh, bits and pieces of it, and I look forward to actually watching the full thing. It's called 24th. It's about the, uh, you know, Houston riots of 1917 and uh, he plays a pivotal part there. And there are a lot of, you know, acting things that I want to talk about that deal with that movie. So please welcome to the program, Lorenzo Yurvi.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, it's, it's my pleasure, Lorenzo. Um, I watched an interview that you did with, uh, with you know, uh, Jim uh, Alexander on Real Talker. So we're going to link that right below. Uh, please, you know, follow him. He's a friend of the show. uh, And, uh, you know, take a look at the interview there. It deals a lot with uh, the 24th. Uh, I'm going to go a little wider, but I definitely want to touch upon the 24th. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's talking about the events that have been, uh, um, you know, more than 100 years uh, ago. And unfortunately, the events of what happened in the Houston riots are, unfortunately appropriate uh to what's happening right now in our society and what from an acting perspective and from being a african-american man um what was that like of being a part of doing a historical piece but that has so much significance to what's happening right now
1: well, i would say i mean it was definitely huge as an opportunity i thought i wouldn't have for quite some time you know before it being my first film was uh Uh, was really special and uh like you said it's it's kind of crazy because you know this happened 100 years 100 years ago and it's a true story and it's like we're reliving it right now it's like still going on 100 years later and you you know would have hoped that we would have learned from our past but uh, unfortunately we're still here and um i don't know it's just it's real surreal It's, it's it's really crazy but um it was it was a pleasure being able to tell the story of of what these men went through and just like, I uh, always talk about the courage they had, you know, uh, a lot of the times we say what well, we would do right now if we were in that situation, but um, mm-hmm. even on set, being an actor and being someone who's, you know, a really uh, even mix of Meisner and, and Method, it's yeah. like you really putting yourself there and it's you, you kind of feel that fear, you feel that um, just nastiness of the, in, in the, the environment uh, for lack of better words, um, but it, it's really crazy.
0: Yeah, I again um I can imagine to a point. Uh, it's and you know my point of reference is being uh, a Jewish uh, you know man. Um yeah, one of the things that you touched upon in that interview is that you know one of your early jobs is you were a Manny. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and then you were exposed to uh you know to working with uh, with kids who were discriminated against because they're Jewish. And that to you was interesting and different, uh, not something that you would expect because you're white, you're white, right? What's the the thing? And that's kind of how I grew up. I grew up in Ukraine where, you know, being a Jew is something that was pretty much openly discriminated against. You know, my brother couldn't uh, get into college because he was a Jew. You know, my parents, uh, my mom uh, couldn't uh, have the profession that she wanted. Same thing with my brother. Um, when I was a kid, I was there until I was 14 before I left. When I was a kid, the, my first experience was that, and we weren't religious. Uh, so kind of being Jewish is something that I wasn't really even aware of. And then kids called me, you know, Jew and dirty Jew. And I remember, you know, I was like seven or eight years old. I was, uh, I, you know, ran uh, from school and ran out to my parents' house and said, they're calling me this thing. What does it mean? And why are they doing it? And uh, my parents explained, I said, I don't want to be it. I don't want to be, you know, teased for something. And they're like, well, you know, do you love your grandfather? Yes. Do you love your parents? Yes. Well, you know, that's a part of uh, our heritage now, but it's that thing of like not understanding of, you know, we're, we're all the same. We're all kids. What's the big deal. And then being singled out for something that A, you have no control over B, you don't even know what it means. You know, so for somebody who is a different color, And being singled out for that to me was always idiotic. Uh, But unfortunately it's a part of you know our country's history because I've been here you know since 1989 so technically I've been here three times longer than I've been there and it's my country. So watching this still happening out in the world is very odd to me. I can't imagine what it's like you know being an African-American and you know seeing and having these experiences. And now having to go back into history and saying, you know, this has been going on for 200 years. Seriously?
1: Come on. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I've gathered, um, I, I, I try to be, sounds weird even saying it, understanding of other people and trying to figure out where they're coming from. And maybe I'm late to the party, but... I've just, you know, started kind of realizing the last two or three years, um, and I tell my friends, a lot of these people, it blows their mind, but a lot of people in America, especially especially in middle of America, have never even met a black person. I, um, I've talked about this in um, a, an interview I just did, that we had an um, uh, event, not a meeting, but we had an event here in Atlanta last year and the year before that. I think they started it two years ago, and it's called just simply meet a black person. And here I am in metro Atlanta and you think at least it, maybe the other parts of Georgia, but even in metro Atlanta, there's a lot of people who have they don't have real experiences with black people. And so they, their perspective of black people or Jews is what they see on TV, what they've heard from their grandparents or whatever. And sometimes they don't even realize, and it's hard for them to realize, I had this conversation with some of my white friends that, that they realize like, oh my gosh, like my grandparents are racist. I've never known that. Like some of them are just finding out this year or last year and they said, they've never known that. But these types of, uh, these images of black people are passed down because they see us on TV and the news is always saying, oh, we're thugs or we're robbing banks or we're killers or whatever. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but the majority of us, it's like, we, we don't do that. Another thing I, I, I see on some message boards when I'm, uh, you know, just looking through stuff, I see this a lot. It's, and it's like uh, maybe a white person is trying to defend black people. And then there'll be another person that'll say, well, if you go into their neighborhoods, they're not gonna show the same kindness towards you. I bet they're gonna, you know, pretty much beat you up or kill you. And I'm like, you've never been to a black neighborhood. Like, that's not how we act, you know? But it's this image that's been going since the 20s, since television began that black people are these savages and like we're animals. And for people who have never had a real relationship with black people, they're gonna believe it. They can only go off hearsay, you know, and the fear mongering that's uh, given to them
0: it's, it's extremely unfortunate. Uh, and by the way, as far as Georgia surprises the heck out of me because I've been to Atlanta and there's a very large uh, black population in Atlanta. Um, so for them not to have any experience (laughs) with a person of color is very, very weird to me. But, um, again, like, you know, going back to my experiences as a kid and then as an adult trying to analyze, you know, you grew up with the same kids you're growing up you're going to the same schools uh same kindergarten same daycare you were the same you know kids you have the same societal upbringing so the only difference and the only reason why some of them uh, become racist uh is because of their parents um it's because that's what they hear at home and because they're small children because they're idolizing their parents at that age because they believe everything that they hear you know when you hear the Jews are bad you're gonna say Jews are bad you don't have enough of you know mental capacity to question it so right. that's where it was stemming from and that just you know takes education and that takes unfortunately generations and that takes uh, a lot of challenging the, uh, the status quo but people are people I mean seriously what is the big deal everybody's different but everybody's really the same so they're either nice people or they're asshats and it doesn't matter you know color of
1: skin doesn't affect yeah
0: right what what's the difference and i again i'm in chicago so you know i have lots of friends who are you know different races and different sexual persuasions so for me it's all natural but that part was kind of natural for me when i was you know back in ukraine and there weren't any black people there you know, we mm-hmm. saw a few tourists uh, and uh, students from Ethiopia, and you know, I came up and uh, I tried to speak English because I knew a few words there. But you know, people are people. What, I I still don't like it's it's a human perspective thing. I don't get
1: it. it Sound just like me. Yeah, and pe- people are people is like that simple. But somehow we've overcomplicated it. But you know, uh, you know, divide and conquer. I mean, that's. And that's where yeah. it comes from. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, it's fear, right? If, if it's, it's trying to put yourself, you know, with the people who are like yourself, which I think is also very uh, ignorant. But trying to protect yourself and trying to, uh, trying to, you know, look at everybody else through that lens of they're different. That's why I don't want to be around them. If they're different, I want to be around them. I want to learn. I want to. Right. How do you grow as a person if you isolate yourself from everybody else?
1: But like, like I said, I mean, it goes back to uh, not to be repetitive, but yeah. one thing I always think about it, like I said, it comes back to fear. And when I really grasp this concept, um, same, I, I feel like I was maybe sleeping my whole life but about two years ago at the same time. I, mean, um, I, was, uh, I was on uh, one of my mentees' porch that I, was, I teach music to. And so there was this big yellow and black spider on the porch. And so I, just like anybody else, what do we do? We go to squat it. Because yeah. we fear what we don't know. And then after you research the spider, as you were saying, after you educate your children, you find, I was like, wow, this spider is a lot of help. It needs to be around here. It helps. It was a garden, gardening spider. I can't remember the scientific name for it. And, and I started researching even more. And it went to uh, granddaddy longlegs. A lot of times when we see a granddaddy long leg, which is not even a spider, we usually try to kill it, but they can't even hurt us. They, they do more. They help us more than anything else. You know, they get the, uh, the roaches because the way their body is built. But until you learn about something to educate yourself on it, you'll continue to fear it for no reason when it's actually there to help you. And that's, a, that's crazy how I, we were just killing these spiders and they were, they, their only purpose was to help humans. But we, we, we feared them because we didn't know enough about them.
0: Yeah, and the reason why we fear them is because we've watched arachnophobia and we've watched all these films that freak the hell out of us. And exactly. That's that's why. Yeah, I, I I fall victim to the same thing. You know, uh, if I read something about snakes helping us, I'm I'm still not sure I want to be around them.
1: <laughs> right, right. And so is is that those basic primal tactics that they they like I said that they use to divide us up, and it's it's, it's it doesn't work for any of our goods because like I said, we're people of people. We're all mainly the ones that fighting each other are on the same level. We're on the same economic level. We're on the same, like everything. And we're, you know, but that's, that's how, uh, for lack of better words, the powers that be and those that want to control us and that actually make the real money. That's what they want us to do, to do fight each other.
0: It's unfortunate. Um, All right. So kind of moving off of that, because uh, I know that you and I can talk about that for a while, but um, (laughs) it's, we're positive people, and again, hearing you talk and knowing how uh, how you are an empath, which I am as well. Uh, we don't want to swim in negativity. We we want to you know swim in the you know love of the people, love of the art, uh, love of the you know it's the proper energy makeup. And again, music for you, um, right. it, it's 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 a different vibrational uh, you know sensitivity. So, as an empath, um when you were talking about, uh, again, in, in Jim's interview, when you were talking about kind of being able to imagine yourself, you know, being somebody else because you're an empath, I found that very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I found, you know, that's where my fear kicks in because being an empath, the first way that I realized that I wasn't an empath is, uh, how I'm able to absorb the energy of others. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you've had the same experience, but uh, oh yes,
1: it it can be very aggravating, even trying to explain it to people. So this is this is a good conversation, yeah. Yeah, Uh,
0: like I I realized, you know, I would walk into a Walmart, and you know, I'm me. I feel totally fine. I feel good. I'm happy. This is my normal, you know, default state. And then I walk through Walmart, and it's not about Walmart. It's you know, any any large gathering of people in a confined space. Uh, I walk through Walmart. Within a half an hour, I come out, I'm agitated, I'm aggravated, I'm pissed off, I'm aggressive. And it took me a little while to realize, why is that, right? I walk in one person, I walk out another person. Why is that? It's because I am open and I'm picking up and I'm kind of sponging now all of the energy from all of these people around me. I need to get rid of that stuff. So there is a protective mechanism that started to develop itself, which when applied to acting, um... I started being fearful of really kind of taking on, and you're going into the method uh, aspect of really taking on somebody else because I don't know if I want all of that energy because I take it so cleanly.
1: Right. No, I, I know exactly what you mean, and it's it's funny because, uh, and I'm <laughs> it feels like well, whatever. <laughs> but about a year ago um, is when I really started to grasp that concept in to almost understand why I, I would explain stuff to people and they wouldn't understand it and why I would get in arguments. And I didn't realize that I had a gift or understanding of feeling energy in the world in ways that other people couldn't do it. And it would yeah. always be a conversation of like, maybe I'll tell my, my friend that, oh, don't date that person because I, you know, I feel this. It's like, you don't know them. How do you, how you, you think you know everything? And I would always have that, you think you know everything argument with my friends and stuff. And then I slowly realized that, oh, everybody can't do this. And for my friends who get really close to me, they started to understand it. And they're like, you're like a magician or whatever. I think I was in Waffle House uh, a couple of months back and I saw this guy and like you spoke about going to Walmart and I saw him and I could feel everything he was going through. And I started saying out loud before I knew it, I was talking out loud to my friend. I was like, I feel like he's really, you know, going through a tough time. He's, you know, on his last dime. And I just started crying and I just I looked at him for about four seconds and my friend was like, are you OK? And that was her first time experiencing, you know, the deep empath in me. But back to what you were saying, uh, with the acting, it, it, it's scary sometimes. Like, even um, when I was doing one of the scenes in the 24th in, in the courtroom, it got to a point, I think I was on the third take of doing it, and I got, I got caught up. And like you said, I absorbed it too much. And I, I've never done this in my life for any situation, whether it was a fight at school or playing basketball, football, but I started hyperventilating. And I scared, I scared myself so bad. And I ended up running across the entire courtroom. And and if you've been on set, you know, go, don't go near the camera cart. I crashed into the camera cart and I just like, I was just like trying to catch my breath. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, I don't think I'm going to think I'm having a heart attack. And everybody just kind of rushed over there. And Trey uh, Byers, the writer, producer, and the lead actor, he came over and started rubbing my back. And I didn't understand what was going on, but that's the deepest I've been um, when it, when it comes to that, you know, I've done stage plays where you do it one time and, um, you know, that's cool. You one time off stage and you're changing the setting, you're going to the next scene. But to do that emotional scene time and time again, it's not something I had experienced before and it's, um, you know, I can add that to my repertoire now, but, um, it, it yeah, it's, it gets scary. And that's why I tell some people, I don't want to accept certain types of roles because I literally go there, you know, and I'm not knocking anyone or trying to be condescending or anything. But I was trying when people first started tell me what Meisner was. I was like, I, I, th- I thought we all did that. I, you know, it was like people learned that. Like I, I was like, that's that's my only thing that I have <laughs> is that what you're explaining is Meisner. But it's me being an empath. And um, but yes, yeah, some roles I'm just scared to even take on because I know I'll go there without. It's not like a try thing. It's just I go there. You know. Yeah.
0: Um, I I know that very well, and uh, I've turned out, I've turned down roles that were in a, you know, uh, a horror film or a psychological thriller where I'm supposed to be playing a killer or I'm supposed to be playing this, just a really, really negative energy because like attracts like, right? So I, am being very careful about the energy that I play because I don't want to swim in those waters. Uh, yeah. I am, uh, it's, it's, it's true, but I am afraid to uh, To go fully there, because it's you know it's gonna take a lot of uh, you know getting all of that crap off of you later. So yeah, it's not 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 something. That's why I want to do more comedies. I still get asked to do a lot more dramas because people look at me and they're like, okay, I, we see we see a nice guy, but there's something there, and there is you know some right. sort of stuff in his closet, and he could be this you know psycho neighbor. And those are fun roles to play, but like, you know, that I can do. But when you want me to be this complete, uh, you know, negative uh, kind of evil person, Mm. you know, I I, I'm not strong enough to handle that emotionally.
1: (laughs) Right. And I've been I've been building on it. And it's it's funny. I don't think I've ever had this conversation with too many people uh, this openly. But it's something that I I think that uh, uh, needs to happen, especially with actors. I want to start like a maybe you know empath community um I, I do to be honest I see a lot of people saying they're empaths and I think they they take one little thing and they think they're empath and after I studied them a while I'm like oh no you're not actually empath because you wouldn't do certain things or whatever but just a community to help us grow in this because because uh you know when I when I first learned it about myself I, w- I want to grow in that and be able to do those roles but it it does take time you can't just jump into it you gotta learn how to train yourself to you know, just go so far on how to control it after you leave the set.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, <clears throat> people who are going full method, that, uh, that part, again, not allowing myself to do that <laughs> because of that same thing, right? I know who I am. If I go full method, I'm not sure um, how long it will take for me to get back to who I am. And I have a family, you know, I have uh, a real life. So to be able to snap in and snap out, that's a difficult process. And hearing some of the actors talk, um, uh, his name escapes me. Oh, John Ber- uh, John Berth- Bertholt, I think that's uh, last name. Uh, the guy who played the you know the the Punisher. Uh, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, and he was saying that. Look, I am not. Uh, he is definitely a great actor, but you know in his words. I'm not good enough to snap in and snap out. I kind of have to do that, and my family unfortunately endures you know months of me being that you know moody kind of rowdy uh energy until I get a chance to kind of uh leave it uh, behind uh, mm-hmm. during the shoot i, I don't want to do that that's that's not how I want to live my
1: life yeah yeah it, it it definitely takes some um you know and when I do stuff like that i I usually <laughs> I don't have the money. This sounds like I'm some A-lister or whatever. But if I go out of town, I do still try to try to take a friend with me um to to help me snap back snap snap back out of it. Yeah. Um, and I I've, I've been um it's something I've been working on a while. So it's it's getting much better with me, but I was definitely there where I couldn't do it at all. And even still, um, one of the days when shooting this, I think I slept for about 19 hours the next day. I was thanking God they gave me the day off the next day. I Mm -hmm. slept all the way until probably the next night. Like, I probably went to sleep like 10 and probably woke up at like 8 o'clock the next day, p.m. It was almost like a whole 24 hours. But Mm I needed that rest and that, you know, rejuvenation because you have to get out of it, you know. That's why I'm getting used to it. But how do I say this? It kind of aggravates me when people do a scene and they come joking with me on the side. I'm like, I'm I'm not that person. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> like, I'm trying to stay in character. Like, I I don't do that. I know some people say, you should be able to jump in and jump out. Well, that's not how I do mine. So you you do that over there and I'm just going to stay here until we say rap or whatever. But um, yeah, I just, I like to stay in that mode and try to be as authentic as possible
0: yeah because yeah, it's, it's really tough uh, and it sounded to me and please correct me if I'm wrong but it sounded to me like you were using substitution uh, you know yeah. uh, and you know imagining that the people in the scene are your actual friends and they're about to you know to hang and uh, you know what what that affects uh, and going into some uh, some places of your previous experiences in your life and trying mm-hmm. to bring that emotion up um, I found me personally, again, everybody can use whatever they want. For me personally, I found that substitution works sometime uh, and it doesn't work on the other takes. Like I had to do scenes where I was crying because, you know, in that scene for that character, his daughter committed suicide. Uh, If I use substitution with my own daughter, take one, I real tears. Take two, real tears. Take three, no, I, I can't. I can't get there because it's not an organic experience all the time, over and over.
1: So I found that
0: that method just didn't work for me because we're doing so many tapes.
1: Right. And no, I'm, I'm man, I love this conversation. Like, you don't understand how much I'm loving this because that's, you know, some people, because you, I mean, you're an actor, you know, some people are just really just too thespian and all they talk is thespian, whatever. But, and so when I say it to people, I think they're thinking I'm just trying to be thespian, like, but that's why I tell people I use a mixture of Method and Meisner. And I'll probably start like, just like you said, it's funny because i tell people this. I might start with a little bit of method, but after two or three, like I've, I've got a, I've got a, it's like a mix and I've got to mix that method and take a little pieces of it. And it has got to be what people consider Meisner, but what is, for me is being an empath. You know, yeah. if, if I was an empath, I don't know if I could even be an actor to be honest. I, th- I, th- I call it my cheat code. Yeah. Um, but um, no, yeah. With Method, I, I say the same thing. I say, you know, you can use that a couple of times, but after a while, after you've seen this person, after someone said cut, and the person's came to talk to you and stuff like that, like it, and you just can't hold it for that long. So, me being an empath is really my cheat code to acting. To be honest, like that's that's what I use the most, and I can really make myself feel these people as, in, as opposed to a friend in the past, like these people are actually my friends, and that's that's you know, and I, I don't think a lot of them even know until after. Um, I had a somewhat switching my voice or whatever. And I would speak like that even when we were at lunch, when we were at base camp, when we were getting dressed in the morning. And I don't think people knew what my real voice was until after. And they were like, your voice is deep. One of them said that to me, like, your voice is deep. Like, I was like, yeah, I mean, I was trying to stay in Lucky as much as possible. I wasn't acting, but I was trying to stay in his energy as much as possible. Yeah. um, Yeah.
0: That's, that's it, right? It's the energy aspect of it because I, again, I, you may have the same experience, but when I'm reading a a script for the first time, uh, I have images and kind of patterns of the character that start showing up of what is the energy like and what is this person like and what is, I I don't immediately go to what was their childhood or kind of formulating a backstory. I go to what do they feel like? And you know, what are they walking like? What is it kind of, you know, putting them on in a way and what their voice is like, for whatever reason, you know, dialects, accents, these things come into my mind. So if it's not written on the page, this person will kind of present themselves to me and I will already kind of recognize certain speech patterns or, you know, this person is chewing gum all the time. I don't know why. It just, that's, that's what it feels like. Right. like so that's, that's what I, I get all the time. How about you?
1: No, def- definitely the same thing. And like I said, I'm not knocking anyone who else, you know, who else does it. But, you know, I'll get people saying, okay, what is, I got to figure out his backstory and what he did at five years old. And if that method works for them, that's fine. I'm not saying anything against it. But for me, it's the same thing as the mannerisms. How do they talk? How do they walk? Yeah. How do they uh, hold their shoulders? Um, almost completely different. But I, I, I did a comedy character for a while on, on social media, which was really just a, a writing exercise. And I think a lot of people thought I was a comedian, but it's called Pastor Petty. And if you, you see me talking now, I didn't think about what Pastor Petty's background was. I thought there's a way, a certain way, every time he talks, he's holding his, his shoulders are like this. He does certain mannerisms, and it's like, that's the stuff that I focus on because I can always come back to that. I can't come back to every day, okay, what did he do at five when he fell on the playground? Like, I can't come back to that. I can come back to his mannerisms, his voice. How does he, how does he blink? Does he, does he stutter? That type of stuff I can come back to constantly, and it makes the character more alive for me. Um, and it, is, it creates, like I said, a character. I don't, I have no problem with it. You know, um, I love acting, um, but I don't do it for the paycheck, but it is good to make a living doing it. Mm-hmm. But I love being, just bringing the, creating a real character. Like, I don't want to just come to set, like I'm talking to you now, and this is the character. I'm just African-American man, and I'm just reciting lines. I love some kind of mannerism, some kind of character to the, the roles that I play.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and that's what I get a joy out of doing.
0: Yeah, uh Sam uh, yeah Samuel Jackson always talks about for every character there has to be something. There has to be an addition. And uh whether it's a lisp, whether it's the way that he walks, whether it's some, you know, some uh, some scar on the face, there has to be something that uh you know allows him to uh, to really kind of uh you know get into that character. So right. I I totally understand that. So mm. you know, you being an empath and us us being similar in a lot of ways. I'm going to tell you kind of the technique that I've developed for myself. Mm. Uh, I'll I'll link a video of of this because I actually explained it, but uh, it's called the, I call it the butterfly effect uh, method of acting. So what I do in order to get into the character and not to kind of use uh, all of my experiences for the reasons that we already talked about, what I do is I, you know, if the character is somebody um, who is a jock, or if the character is somebody who is... Let's. I didn't use this example before. Let's use a character who's gay, right? I'm not gay, Uh, I'm a straight, you know, uh, man, but I go back in time uh, in my personal life. I go back in time and I make a different choice, so it becomes an alternate reality. And then from that step, everything else changes. And then because I'm an empath, I am snapping into that alternate reality version of myself, and I'm a different person, I'm still me, so I know that, and I can get back in here. But I am a different, it's like a different, you know, Earth X uh, version of me that because of that little different choice I made. Now I am a gay man and here's how my life is. So I'm still grounded. Yeah. Uh, I, there is emotion, there is imagination, there's all of these things that come into play. But it's, it's a completely different character, but a okay. grounded, real character.
1: I love, and you repeated it. I was about to go back to when you said that I, I do the same thing, but I like the way you explained it so much better. But like you said, you go back and you say, I've made this decision, like you said, in your past, and this is really me, and yeah. that allows the performance to still stay grounded. Like it's not, and I've started in theater, and I think a lot of people should should start in theater, for one, because you don't get takes. If you don't do it right the first time, you can't do it, but coming from theater, it's so, you're so much bigger and theatrical, and it's almost, because you have to reach the audience, but when you're on film, the camera's right there, and your performance needs to be grounded. So you can be, you can be coopy, kooky, Uh, psychotic you can be bipolar but still be grounded and I think a lot of people miss that because they're like no I gotta overact it and like no just say this is me this is the decision I made like you said I I love the way you said that but this is the decision I made 10 years ago I've been this person for 10 years and it allows me to be that it allows you to be and not act and I've heard people say that before but I don't think a lot of people get that and I I watch them and I you know like it's not saying I'm the best of the best or I know more than anybody but sometimes you see them like you're always acting though. You need to be it. Like, I don't need to see that you're acting. I need to really believe that you're, you're, you're going through this time, whether it is something common as a breakup or whatever, but you need to stay grounded in it. Yeah,
0: um, very cool. I Well, yeah, It's I'm not surprised that you're using something similar. It's, it just, it makes sense, right? I don't know if it's because we're empaths, <laughs> but it just, right. it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it allowed me to get out of my head because I'm highly analytical. And, you know, anytime I think about something, uh, anytime I try to pre-plan it, it, it's the wrong approach. I can't. That's why when I, when I learned Meisner, to me, it finally kind of freaked me out because I can just be, I can be in your energy and I can be uh, in your eyes and I, you know, what you're saying and how you're saying it, I will be affected by it. And then I don't have to worry about anything else.
1: I can just... I because, I mean, you, when you, you start to lose confidence in your choices in acting, when you start thinking about them too much. And, and like I said, mo- and most people, I've been in scenes with people, you know, have done this. I've been doing this for almost, you know, 15 years. I've only had an agent and been being able to get, you know, bigger roles for about maybe five years. But over, do- over the time I've done this, you know, you will see the people just looking at you and they're waiting for this thing that they planned that they're going to do. And it's, it's, it's just going to wow everybody. And it's like, but it wasn't connected to me. It wasn't connected to anybody in the scene, but you just wanted to deliver this Oscar winning or Denzel performance. But your energy was like way askew, to, you know, compared to where our energy was. Yeah. And like you said, you know, be there and literally listen to what they're saying. Stop work. I'm, I'm talking a lot, but this is what I tell people. I was almost, we're almost giving like a uh, we should get paid for this. <laughs> we're almost giving a workshop here. But, um, you know, I tell people all the time, they say, I remember my lines. And I don't know if it makes sense to anybody else, but I say, don't remember your lines. You need to know your lines. So I'll read over my lines over and over so I know them. So I'm not worrying about forgetting them. Therefore, when you do something different from what I've remembered or planned in my head, it won't throw me off. And it's crazy sometimes when when I learn to just know my lines, I read over and over and I hear them in my head and they're in my head. I'll literally be thinking a half a second before that I don't remember my lines. Before my brain can say, I don't remember my lines the lines are already coming out of my mouth because I know it so well, like it's already in me. And so, um, yeah, it, it frees you up a lot. Not, you know, ah, a lot of people teach that technique. Like, okay, read this line, then go back and read this line and you'll remember your lines. But I think remembering your lines is a terrible technique. If that makes sense. Uh, I I, I don't know if people are hearing that correctly, but if you understand what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, it's uh, absolutely remembering your lines. It's again, to me, it's are you in your head or are you in your, in your heart? Right, yeah. And when you're acting, you shouldn't be in your head. You should be in your heart. Right. You should be open uh, because that's where everything kind of gets uh, centered. You want to be grounded. You can be up high. You have, to be, you have to be in your body. You have to be in your energy, uh, in the energy of that character at that time. So you have to know your lines. And then what people are saying, you have to throw it away. What they mean by throwing it away is get out of your head and just be so for me, it's snap in, right? I want to see what's happening with you. Lines are here. You remember them already. If mm-hmm. you've done your work, they're going to come. And I have this all the time. What you said, it just makes me crack, crack up because you're thinking, what the hell is my, oh yeah, I'm here.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah.
0: Because it's not here. It's, it's somewhere. It's coming from wherever it is coming from. It's, it's around us. You know, energetically speaking, the words are in the ether, right? Then you're just picking them as, as they're coming in. Uh, but yeah, it, it makes perfect sense to me.
1: Yeah. And I, I said, I think when I really realized that was when I realized um, my, my brother who was getting into acting too, we were doing an audition with him. And it was when I realized that all, the, all of the auditions, I think everything in that book so far were the ones when I had no time to prep. It was like, yeah, this is a fast turnaround do like three hours from now. And I would like have maybe one or two chances to do it. Some was like, send it right back over. And those are always the ones I booked. And that's when I realized like, okay, all this preparation and making sure you remember lines because you just you're too much in your head and you just gotta, you know it, you know the line. So just do it and stop worrying about that one thing you thought you were gonna do that's gonna be different from everybody else. And that's gonna wow them and just really live through the character because that's what they want to see. They want to see the character that a writer. I know they, they want to see the character that they wrote on the page. Yeah, you know, yeah. they do want to see you bring something to it, but just you know, just just do it. Like, don't think about it too much.
0: Yeah, it's it's authenticity. It's right. Really, that's all it is. You, they don't want you to be an actor. They want you to be the person, the exactly. uh, the, the character. And exactly. uh, I was watching, um, you know, one of uh, one of the shows I truly enjoy uh, watching is Madam Secretary. Mm. And um, you know, a couple seasons ago. Uh, I, it, maybe they brought them back again, but a couple of seasons ago, there was a scene where, you know, she's the secretary of state, uh, Tia Leone is playing secretary of state. And then she brings in uh, actual secretaries of state that came before her. So Madeleine Albright and uh, you know, Hillary Clinton, and uh, uh, his name escapes me, I'm so sorry, uh, Colin Powell. Uh So they brought all of them in and they were in scene. So in a scene, she's asking them for, uh, for the advice and they—they're not actors. Uh, so it was really interesting to see that when they were acting, like in the acting part of the scene, you could see, okay, these are not actors. But mm. as soon as they became themselves and were just giving advice, and of course you have your kind of uh, lines, and I don't even know if they were, you know, if they were riffing in a way because it was a real advice. It was just tied to a particular circumstance. But mm. as soon as they were themselves, it was natural, and you're like, okay, I know they're not actors. This seems natural, so it was a little trick uh, of the mind. But the reality is, you have to be a real person, and that's what right. we want to see on screen. We don't want to see somebody making a great acting choice. We want to see a right. real person and mm-hmm. be able to associate and live through that person and their experiences. So stop acting. This is when people are saying, "Don't act, just
1: be." That's what exactly. they I say it all the time. Yeah, exactly yeah that, That's so
0: always it, and mm-hmm. it's it's easier said, <laughs> easier said than done of course yeah yeah really. Um mark rylance was uh like bridge of spies have you seen bridge of spies
1: i haven't i can't say i have okay
0: yeah. dude from an acting perspective watch bridge of spies i mean there are so right, many yeah. great acting performances but mark rylance in bridge of spies he's playing a russian spy if you want to just you know, I walked into the theater. I didn't know anything about Mark Mark Rylance, who's you know one of the greatest actors uh, of of his generation. But I didn't know anything about him, and I saw him on screen. And I said after the first few minutes, I'm like, if he doesn't win an Oscar for this role, I don't know anything about acting. And mm-hmm. he ends up winning an Oscar for this role, so I feel you know completely <laughs> vindicated. But just yeah. the incredible tiny things that he did are just off the charts you don't have to go big he was as small as you can be and he was brilliant and just watch watch mark Rylands. and i will never get to that level but you know that's what i'm <laughs> aspiring to do as much as i can
1: yeah i'm definitely i'm gonna check it out definitely
0: yeah, it's a great movie anyway. And I think you'll enjoy just, you know, Tom Hanks is in it. Uh, you know, Tom did uh, a really, Tom, really, yeah. really excellent job, uh, you know, uh, on his own. Uh, just really, really good uh, film. <clears throat> Oscar, you know, uh, nominated uh, film, pretty sure, I think. I'll have to double check on that. Uh, right. Anyway, so that's, that's kind of uh, from the acting perspective. All right um well i guess i guess our workshop uh has has come to an end i know you and i could talk for the next you know two hours about this stuff but oh yeah um, at that point people should start paying so we're we're gonna end here <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool. and
0: uh it's 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 a true uh pleasure having you on i really really enjoyed it best of luck oh, with the film and your career uh you know I, i'm pulling for you
1: i really appreciate it i really appreciate it i'm just praying to do uh some big things and you know establish my own legacy you know i was i was telling someone else how uh people always saying that oh this person is the next this person the next myrtle street the next denzel but i just want to be the first lorenzo i just want to be you know what i was put here to do and and use the talent that i was put here to use so yeah i Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that uh
0: i'm i'm pulling for you and uh i'll go watch uh 24th uh i i know i'm gonna cry but uh, i it's it's the movie that people should be watching so we're going to put a link uh, to that movie uh, below here as well so um and thanks to everybody for tuning in into another episode of the love of acting we know you love acting as much as we do and this is why we do this for you thank you
1: all right